Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project Season 4, Episode 14. Can you believe it? few different things happening today. So let's get up to date before we jump into everything. First, this is a, the first podcast I've done in a while where it's just me. But it's sort of not just me because I'm also doing a video version of this. Last week's episode, Heather and I experimented with recording some video and I put that out on Patreon and for YouTube channel memberships and I got some pretty decent feedback about it, even though it was very rough. <laughs> uh, and so today I'm doing everything by myself. I had been trying. I got the ATEM Mini Extreme ISO, which is just this thing with a whole bunch of buttons. Um, if you're watching, you can see. And I've been trying to figure out like how to program these things called macros, which will let it switch automatically between cameras because I have like my regular shot and I've got a wide shot of the whole studio just to add some visual variety and i've been having you know limited success today so i might just be popping around and, and doing that but this could be kind of cool because what i'm talking about today is going to be a little more visual and i figured hey check it out i can actually you know i can do screen shares and show people what i'm talking about so that could be useful but if you're just listening to the audio version which is most people um then it should also still be fine and yeah if you want the video version here, check it out. Remember we talked about monetizing podcasts? This is how I have decided to do it. If you want the video version, it's available on Patreon and it's available on uh, YouTube channel memberships. I We could talk about, about, about monetization in a while. So let's contextualize everything because I'm a big fan of context. First and foremost, we had the whole secret series where I transitioned out of my job and, and that kind of stuff. And then transitioning away from that was last week's episode with Heather where we, were, we had our discussion and now we're kind of getting back into just normal topics and things which is why I chose today's topic and I'm super excited about it I've been like really like digging in and doing a lot of research which is luckily very fun for today's topic but to kind of go back to what we we're talking about in a previous episode is figuring out monetization for a podcast that's not today's topic uh, I really did look into like running ads people sent me messages saying you know, that they would be cool with ads, they wouldn't want ads, that they would only want ads at the beginning, or they would only want ads in the middle of the show. And truth be told, the the payout for podcast advertising sucks. It's really bad. And I guess unless you're like Joe Rogan or something. So for me, it would be like, I could get maybe $30 for an ad. And that's a lot of work. And a lot of um, it's just not worth it juice ain't worth the squeeze as they say and so it's just yeah it's just not worth it and so what I decided was like oh you know I, I was doing this big decision between Patreon versus YouTube channel memberships and I ended up going with both which is kind of not what I expected to do and they've been really fun like channel memberships they're all kind of the same so I try to make sure that the main content is the same across both so it doesn't matter what you what you you know subscribe to or pledge to or whatever um, but there are sort of different things and just on my end like YouTube is obviously more YouTube related and Patreon is is more it's more versatile. So I figured that would be a great way to to monetize the podcast was you know what if you like it and you want to support it you can hop over onto Patreon and sign up there. It's just patreon.com slash Tom Buck. It's in the links or not. And if you don't want to that's cool too. It doesn't matter. But if you want that sweet, sweet video version, plus whatever other like weird stuff, I think Patreon and channel memberships are like the closest I'll ever get to having a second channel because that's where I can put just other things. Um, but yeah, like I said, the the perks are essentially the same. YouTube, the bigger perks are if you do a lot of live chats or you want to jump in, you get like custom emojis and little badges and things. But if you're not like active on the YouTube platform, that might not matter to you as much. Uh, and so Patreon would be great. Anyway, um, that's that stuff here, and it's important, I'm trying to transition out, it's important to uh, figure these things out because they can help stuff to be sustainable and they can help you to, to provide for yourself and support yourself, not unlike a YouTube creator that I'm going to talk about today, and that's a smooth transition right there because... I have been like legitimately at this point, I would call it an obsession with a YouTube channel from a guy named Joel Haver. So we're going to talk all about that today and not just why I like it, 
um, because there's a lot of reasons there, but also like sort of what I've learned from this other YouTube channel and also like how it sort of reinvigorated me. And I'm really grateful that I stumbled across it at this specific time in like my life and my own journey, because that's, it just fits really, really well. So you may or may not be familiar with Joel. If you're not, you will be after this. And I promise you even, I just listen, like just listen to the, the explanation and then I think you'll get it along the way. So uh, for those of you who are watching, I set up a little screen sharey thing so you can actually see what I'm talking about. Uh, late, late last year, I came across this video in YouTube, or it was actually in my recommendations because if, if you know Heather, she's a very big video gamer person. And she has like introduced me into the idea of RPGs, which I wasn't that familiar with. And I still don't like, I like the story in them. I, I don't like all the like constant battles and stuff. That was like her favorite part. And so anyway, but it's been really fun to like watch her play RPGs. And like, I kind of dip my toe a little bit sort of kind of in the water. Um, like I, maybe Breath of the Wild is like as far as I'll go. But anyway, because of that, been looking up like RPG related videos and the algorithm, which <laughs> tends to give me what I need when I don't know that I need it, recommended a video called playing an RPG for the first time, which is like this animated, this weirdly animated cartoon. And it kept popping up. And finally, like the fourth time it popped up on my homepage, I clicked on it and I watched it and I absolutely loved it. It was super bizarre. It's super, <laughs> it's super weird. Uh, it definitely takes kind of a dark turn. Uh, fortunately, there's at least one sequel to it, maybe two sequels to it. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This was in November that I that I stumbled across this video. And I was like, okay, this is, this is sort of like funny and it's interesting. And then since I watched that whole video, uh, a couple of other like of this style of animation, which is this very like... It's just a different style. It's sort of strange. It's it's hand drawn. It's like kind of crudely drawn, but it's also like the movement is really smooth and realistic. Didn't quite understand that. And then I saw a couple other animations that were all really, really funny. And then I, I started getting recommended live action content from this same channel. And that's where I discovered Joel Haver's channel. And his story, I mean, you know, far be it for me to tell somebody's story because I, that's not okay. But at this point I've watched basically, I can't say all the videos cause there's like 400 and something videos. I've watched a lot of the videos. I watched all the Patreon stuff. I've listened to like all the interviews I can find. So I feel like I have a pretty good, at least overview of his basic journey. Um, but, but, but he's a, he's a younger ish guy. I think like mid twenties. Uh, I believe he went to film school in New York or lived in New York for a while. And then is is a filmmaker and in previous episodes i've talked about filmmaker versus um you know videographer and sort of in the world of youtube and the world of online message boards there's this divide between like i am a filmmaker and you're just a videographer and like who cares you know ultimately <laughs> and i've always sort of steered clear of like the filmmaker community because it sort of seems i'm sorry if this is a rude thing to say, but it sort of seems the people who call themselves filmmakers uh, are are not the people that I would necessarily want to hang out with a lot. And I've known people, you know, I've known people and I've had really good friends who are legit filmmakers. You know, they've been directors of photography on TV series. They've won awards. They've gotten degrees and they've never referred to themselves like I am a filmmaker. It just doesn't have sort of that. I don't know. That, that just isn't a thing that's happened. And so I've kind of steered away from it. But then I find this guy who legitimately, like, if you want to talk about filmmaker, is a filmmaker. Uh, he does at least one new film every week. Sometimes they're live action. Sometimes they're animated. His channel has something like six or seven full-length uh, full length feature, feature films on it. Some of them are an hour. Some of them are two hours long. Uh, most of the stuff is produced just completely solo. I, I've been thinking of it as, like, if Ed Wood made like good movies <laughs> it's sort of like if, if you know like the old director ed wood um you know he, he didn't strive for perfection but also his movies were like weren't that great um and they weren't intentionally bad whereas with joel it's sort of the same thing where it's like we're not striving per for perfection but there's a lot of really cool stuff there that I, that i want to point out and he just has so many things so here's the interesting thing about his channel 
is he's been, I don't know how active, how long he's been active. If I go to his videos and I do, um, let's see, uploads, like all videos, and I sort by oldest to newest. Uh, let's see when the oldest one, I think he's got ones from like ages ago, eight years ago. All right, looks like he was doing like goofy stuff seven, eight years ago. And by the end of last year, the end of 2020, he had like 375-ish films and videos up on his channel, several full-length, <laughs> feature-length films, and he had peaked at 3,000 subscribers, which is funny because I was watching an interview with him where he was saying that he feels that like, you know, when people are passionate about something, that will ultimately like rise to the top, hopefully. But in that interview, he was saying that he was feeling down on himself because they it had been so long and he had produced so much work and the growth was so slow well november of 2020 he celebrated 3000 subscribers uh by the end of 2020 or early january he had 500,000 and now what are we mid april uh he's got well over a million so it took a long time and then things just popped. And it really was like the animations, I believe, are the things that kind of like brought the attention to him and to his channel. And then in addition to making those animations, he actually released a tutorial that explained how he does it. So he uses this software called EbSynth or it's EBSynth. It's for Mac and PC. It's totally free. I've tried to play around with it. And it's sort of like if you've ever done rotoscoping where you have to draw over frame by frame by frame in a project, it sort of is like, automated rotoscoping so you film something and you you basically paint over like specific keyframes in your shot and then this tries to push it all together if you watch if you go to the EbSynth website I'll put a link in the show notes I'll put a link to Joel's channel and, and everything I'm talking about in the show notes so you can check them out if you want um, or the description if you're watching the video version of this and the thing about it though is it's it it, it captures that realistic motion and if you go to their website, it's like gorgeous artwork where it's like, oh my gosh, is this like some crazy 3D animated movie? What is it? But the way Joel does it is like just drawing with a mouse <laughs> in like Photoshop. So it's very thick lines. It's very like goofy animation. And the software itself, you know, it's not perfect. And so it, it kind of has like these errors where things will get smeared and smushy and look kind of weird. And it just sort of fits into his style perfectly. So he released this tutorial in January of this year. And since then, it's been like, you've seen this animation style pop up as people are starting to experiment with it. I even shared it with some of my uh, high school classes before I left teaching because I was like, it wasn't like an assignment or anything. I was just like, hey, you guys are stuck at home right now. We're doing everything online. You should check out this tutorial and maybe you'll want to, you know, free software. Maybe you want to make something. And a couple of them did and they really liked it. And and from there, I think those things, like this crazy animation style, this huge library of work that's all good stuff, whether it's live action or animated, and then like helping the community learn this new skill, I think those are all things that just sort of played into helping his channel grow. And it's it's uh, it's been interesting, but here's why it's so fascinating to me. So it's not just like, hey, here's a channel I like, he makes goofy stuff and it grew, wow, crazy. Like, I wish I had a million that's not it at all. It's really like the 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 style of it and the creativity behind it because like I I don't know how to describe his his videos, but if if you go to watch them um they're they're kind of all over the place. Like these shorter things, whether it's an animation or a sketch, the shorter ones are um usually pretty goofy. They might be somewhere between like 1 minute and 4 minutes long and they're goofy sketches. And they're, they can be kind of rough. Like sometimes the camera's shaky or out of focus. Um, sometimes like people will laugh in the middle of a scene, uh, whatever it might be. But they're really like you can always follow along. The jokes always land or it's this bizarre thing of like is is like the joke is, is this a joke kind of a thing? It's very absurd. So if you go check it out and it's not your your type of humor or your type of style, that's I totally get that. But there's so much more here that for anybody who's creative, I think you can learn a lot from it. Because then his feature-length films are like, a lot of them are really kind of hard-hitting or gut-punching or, or honest, whatever you want to call it. 
there's there's like this sincerity that runs through everything he does in a really specific and interesting way. Um, there's a video on his channel from probably about a year ago. His dad passed away, and it's like the day after, and it's just a couple minutes of him just explaining what happened and and being sad on camera. And then you know, the next video is is a goofy video, and his his dad had been in a bunch of his videos and was like a. It's just, it's just sort of like it reminds me so much. When I watch Joel's videos, it reminds me of when I was a kid, like ten or eleven years old, and all that my friends would do is film stuff. We would have our cameras. And we would just be filming stuff all the time. And I have no idea what happened to most of that footage because we didn't like, there was no YouTube. We didn't have even like editors or anything. Sometimes we, we'd try to make a movie that had a story. And other times it was like, I, I don't know, we would just film this footage and maybe watch it back or it would just get lost on the camera or something. And, but we were just filming all the time. And I feel like Joel embodies that, but it, he didn't lose it like he didn't lose that excitement he's just like the person who is filming stuff all the time I don't know him that could not be the case but that's really what it seems like like having gone through his body of work and seen like in times of tragedy and sadness he turns to you know making movies making making videos in times of joy that's what he turned it's like it really just sort of seems like it's just the guy with the camera now where this gets really interesting to me is when it goes to his background, because somebody who has, you know, had a history in film and gone to film school and all that kind of stuff, it seems like he is rejecting a lot of what comes out of that. And he's he's posted a few videos. There's one on his channel called You're Already a Filmmaker, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. And it's basically him explaining that you don't need, like, it's basically him just pointing out why the traditional film industry route doesn't work for so many people and how skewed it is and how unfair it is and how you, you know, you're paying a bunch of money to submit your work to a festival so someone can watch it and then reject it. And instead, you could just go on YouTube and make something and post it to everyone. You don't need permission for that. You don't even really need a budget. Um, you know, a lot of his stuff has... <laughs> He's the opposite of all the gear channels, even the opposite of like my channel um, in that like, it, you know, I think his main camera is a Blackmagic Pocket 4K from what I've like seen and stuff, I think, which is a very nice camera. Um, but it's, you know, it's a cinema camera. It's manual focus, manual everything. So you got to like, it's it's work to use that camera. And then like if there's a secondary camera, half the time it's like some old VHS thing that's like terrible quality and it does. It's like it doesn't matter uh, because he's he just continues to make stuff, and it's it to me. It's just so refreshing because it's not being caught up on you know, literally like this 4K camera isn't quite as like crystal clear as this other super 4K camera. That means the work you make with this camera is gonna be garbage compared to the work with that camera. It's much more about like uh, let's get a camera. And go out and make something and you know it's a lot of like the same the same people in in a lot of his projects and there's sort of like this universe <laughs> that emerges uh through everything and it's i just love it because it's so sincere and like you know some of it is just goofy some of it's like inappropriate some of it is serious some of it's it's just sort of everything it's like this very well-rounded profile of somebody's work and I, i've just been fascinated by it going through you know, everything. He, he has a whole video where he explains how he makes a, a video by himself. And I've seen lots of YouTube videos where a YouTuber will talk about, you know, this is how I make it by myself. And of course, they've got, you know, three cinema cameras set up. And it's kind of like <laughs> the room I am in right now, which has all kinds of lights and gear and, and multiple cameras and all this stuff. And then you see him, how he makes a movie by himself. And sometimes it would literally be like, I have an old projector. So I'm going to project, you know, a set image on the back wall and then I am going to be in front of that and that's going to look like you know that's going to be my background so it's like old school it's not green screen but it's kind of like the idea of an artificial background like they used to do in old-timey movies if we need to do an old-timey movie effect you could get a vintage lens you could do all this stuff or you could just get a dryer sheet and tape it to the front of the, the camera so that the lens goes through the dryer sheet and it makes everything look fuzzy and old-timey and it's like and then you film that he films that by himself edits it by himself releases it and it's good it's like it's funny it's quirky it makes sense and this is where 
this is where it like it becomes another layer i guess i shouldn't say this is where it becomes interesting because the whole story the whole joel universe is interesting to me but this is where it becomes interesting is or even more fascinating is that if you watch his stuff yes like sometimes the camera work is funky or sometimes whatever can there can be funky things in it but also there can be like there are some some videos that have like unbelievable quality in them and unbelievable you know like every once in a while there will just be a shot where it's like this is absolutely gorgeous like clearly this is a person who knows what they're doing and is choosing if if they're not um you know if they're not doing everything perfectly that is an absolute choice um if you're watching this i'm going to show you the end of a goofy project where it's basically like he slept through halloween is the premise of this video and is now depressed and sad but there's these shots at the end that are just like completely stunning that that could be in any movie theater quality project and you know some of it is just completely other goofy stuff where people will have fake mustaches taped over real mustaches or whatever like it's the bizarre stuff that i love that complete ridiculousness um but that's just sort of like in there and then also when you watch his videos and you look at the editing of them it becomes clear that like there's a lot of skill there because they're super well edited the like I said earlier, the jokes always land, or at least the story, I should say. Like the story always is clear and always lands. The editing doesn't get in the way of that. When you really dissect it, it's like there's like some very advanced editing happening and mixing and and especially if it's like something he's doing by himself where he's playing four characters <laughs> and and needs to keep track of all that or or whatever. And it actually makes sense and comes together in the end. So that you can see that there's a lot of skill and the pursuit of perfection is put aside in order to just make stuff. He's one of the few people I've seen on YouTube that promotes the idea of quantity over quality. And it it's so, I know what people mean when they say quality over quantity, like you don't want to just release pure garbage, but also like you can get so caught up in quality that then you don't make as much as you could or as much as you want to or you stress yourself out instead of just like you're going to get better the more you make stuff and you know one thing about joel's projects all of them have good audio so like you can always hear people it's always super clear i taught students digital media for many many years and during that time <laughs> during the time there'd be a lot of projects that looked good or they'd have they'd have framing or whatever that looked really good but then we couldn't hear anything because, you know, they're using like the on-camera microphone or they were, I don't know what they were doing, or the audio recorder was positioned wrong or, or something. And it's so hard to like listen to something that you can't hear. Whereas with Joel's stuff, everything is super easy to hear and you can, you can just follow along that well to the point where half the time in, in the projects, you can just see, I think they use wireless lavalier mics for basically everything. And you can just see the the lavalier mic like pinned to the middle of someone's shirt with a big cord running down. It's like, yeah, there's a microphone on this person. Deal with it because follow the premise. And I guess I'm not advocating for like, oh, yeah, you should just be sloppy with your work or do bad quality stuff. But it's like focusing on the things that matter versus the things that don't. Um, in Joel's case, I've seen several interviews where he talked about everything he does is improvised and not scripted. And obviously most people are going to go like, oh, if you're making a film, you need to script it out. And he just, he said a thing where I, I talked to Heather about this, where it was like, um, minimize the stuff that makes it a chore and maximize the stuff that you enjoy. And in his case, writing scripts was a nightmare, but improvising with himself or with friends was super fun. And then also finding ways to construct those stories during the editing, because if the whole thing's improvised, editing becomes a super active process where you're, that's where you're figuring out how everything goes together. That became the fun stuff. So it's like all the stuff that, that is on the channel is basically all improvised. And that takes a lot of skill. Like that's not as sloppy as it sounds because you have to be a skilled improviser for that to work and you have to be working with skilled improvisers for that to work and i i just found that so fascinating to to just i, I don't know it, it reminds me of i had a student 
years ago. It was like it was he was probably like my first high school student I taught that was like skilled at another level, like beyond what I could create. He he would create work that was just so good and it got everybody's attention, not even just in like our school community, but in the local community or you could put it online. And this was a long time. It was like 2013-ish. So, you know, online video wasn't where it is today, but it was still like, you know, he, he'd get a lot of attention on his stuff, even to the point where like the program I was teaching, the style of his projects bled in. And, and to this day, if you look up work from that program, uh, there's still like you can see the influence of this person who graduated years ago nobody in that program no student has any idea who he is but the style has carried on from like class to class to class or now it's a distinctive style of the program it's crazy um so he was you know very very skilled and definitely took himself very serious as like an artistic filmmaker and i remember sometimes you know we'd ask like hey could you help out with this project here or you know could you help us you know maybe the school needed help or the school district needed help with something and I remember kind of getting into it with him a couple times because he would say like I don't want to put my name on this my name is worth something my name shouldn't be on this and it's like okay I get what you're saying as an artist you've got your standards and you've got your image but it's like dude you're in high school and I know that like you're a big deal in our high school of 2,000 people but that's it you're that's it. Beyond that, you're not a big deal. Like your name doesn't have a weight to it that is going to get like attention in the world. And, you know, you can't say those things to a 17 year old at the time. Uh, but it, it's just like it what it turned out into was like, oh, I know you're going to be really good and you're going to create high quality stuff. But I'm not going to like ask you to be a part of this because you're also a nightmare to deal with. So I'd rather go to someone else. Um, who's not a nightmare to deal with, even if the quality isn't at the same level because they're going to just do it and have a good time with it. And that's where, like, Joel's immensely skilled, and I feel like if he wanted to <laughs> to create, you know, a, a perfect masterpiece, he technically could, but has no interest in it. And everything I'm saying, too, like, I'm saying because of, you know, the interviews and stuff that I've watched. So I'm trying very hard not to put words. This is, like... You know, I'm trying not to put words in someone's mouth, but I'm trying to just <laughs> the world that I've been living in and the stuff I've been absorbing. And it's just been so refreshing over the past few months and especially the last few weeks. I I'm just trying to sort of share that as best I can. So please don't don't think I'm trying to put words in anyone's mouth. But what I love is that for somebody who has this background where you would almost expect like a too cool for school mentality, it doesn't exist. Instead, it's very much a, like, I embrace the YouTube platform, um, all the stuff over here that says things need to be a certain way, like, forget that. He released a Patreon video where he talked about, like, <laughs> rediscovering Adam Sandler movies because, uh, you know, you kind of grow up and especially, like, I don't know. I remember when Adam Sandler movies first came out, like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and I was young and they were just dumb enough to be perfect for the age that I was. But it was also like a different kind of comedy. It was a different thing. And then some of the movies, you know, got kind of bad <laughs> as time went on. And it's easy now for people to go like, oh, like those movies are dumb. He's dumb. And especially if somebody finds themselves as like, I only watch like the most artistic foreign films or I went to film school or whatever. They're going to look down on an Adam Sandler movie. And Joel did this whole Patreon thing where he was talking about like rediscovering that and, and liking them because they were so sincere. That's where I got the word from because they were so sincere. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe not technically great, but like you, you can still really enjoy it. You can still be goofy. And the reason that this is important is when it comes to YouTube. So now he, he went from the point of, you know, trying to grow this YouTube channel for years and years and hundreds of videos to now it suddenly almost overnight becoming a full-time, I mean, it was a full-time job, but now it can actually full-time income, I should say, like more than enough to get by on. And of course, the first thing is like, well, how are you going to expand? You could turn this into a TV deal. You could turn this into a brand deal. You could do this. And if you watch Joel's videos, there are no sponsored segments. Uh, I have YouTube premium, so I honestly don't know if he puts ads on the videos. I would guess that he does have ads on his videos. Um, 
but because uh, otherwise how would he make revenue off youtube um and otherwise it's just patreon which is like not it, it's sort of like in the description you could find the patreon it's not something that Oh, and and the the Patreon names pop up at the end of some of the projects, but that's it. It's not like there there is no advertising. Like you watch his channel, you watch the content. That's it. Um, he has spoken very specifically about not wanting to branch out to other platforms and do other things and just go all in on YouTube. Which there's so many people who say, no, don't do that. You got to branch out. You got to you know protect yourself and diversify and all this stuff, which is true. Um, you know, in in the sense of security, but for what he wants to do, he's like, I don't want to have to like maintain a bunch of different stuff. Like YouTube is a platform that lets you share whatever you want with the world immediately. And there's a huge body of work there. And that's kind of where he wants everyone to go. And I love that in a world where especially people who fancy themselves filmmakers kind of look down on YouTube, somebody who's probably like the most legit <laughs> filmmaker uh, currently working because nobody is producing as much work as he is, is just fully embracing it as where he wants to be. And, and it, it feels like maybe a cool glimpse into, you know, a, a next generation thing. And when you watch the videos, you can spot imperfections, but like the comment sections aren't full of people going like, well, your shot was overexposed here. Like the color balance was off here. You know, if you hid the microphone under the shirt, you could use this thing to like, None of that. It's literally just people talking about the content. Like all that stuff doesn't doesn't even matter. And then some of the things that are either done wrong or done because of a budget, I should say done technically wrong, or done because because of a budget or or whatever, are things that actually then end up contributing to a style. Because I think again, you're dealing with someone who knows the rules, but then knows when and how and why to break the rules, which which is just, to me, like, I have just been absolutely loving, like, digging through the Patreon stuff, going and finding old interviews. Like, it's so cool to find somebody who you admire, and they're in a point now of notoriety, of, you know, visibility. But if you go back and watch what they were doing, like the stuff they were making, the stuff they were saying, way before any of that happened, it's exactly the same. And that, like, as somebody who's been on the crusade of, like, hey, authenticity is key and let's, you know, let's push for, for authenticity and, and push for kind of a down-to-earthness, that, that's not always, <laughs> it's not always embraced by, especially the YouTube community. But in this case, it's, like, it's so embraced and it's, you can see that it's motivating and inspiring to other people and I, it's like, it's been one of the most refreshing things I found on the platform. Like, I have to stop myself now talking about it to Heather because it's like, at this point, it sounds like if you didn't know any better, you would think I'm talking about someone I know, not somebody I've never met who doesn't know I exist. And it's like, the, the last time I remember this was like in high school when I, I became obsessed with the Aquabats, my favorite band. And it was like, no matter who I was talking to, I would somehow bring it back to that and be like did you know there's this album or there's this song or there's a show or they did this thing here and it's like people would get tired of it and so i had to rein that in and this is kind of that which is why it is now being unleashed in podcast form but also more than just me wanting to to say these things i wanted to share it specifically with anyone who's listening or watching this because since so many people who you know are, are involved with this podcast um, or who listen to it are people who make things themselves. And I feel like obviously if you're listening to this and if you've, if you've gone 34 minutes into me talking about this subject today, you're on board clearly. Um, I feel like you and I probably have similar ideas, similar approaches to stuff. And it's just something that's really cool to go check out, like somebody just making stuff and doing it their own way and not, it's like just sort of, I don't, I don't want to say an, a lack of awareness of like what's in the world, but just a lack of concern for what's, what's popular or trendy or, you know, the, the cool way of doing things and just doing things your own way that, that works for you and, 
I'm so happy to see that paying off for somebody. And so I hope that that, I hope it continues because I, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of that. And it's just, you know, it's just such a great counterbalance to everything else that we're seeing, to everything else that we're exposed to where, you know, the other day I was going, I was going on one of my bike rides where I just think about stuff. And I talked about this specifically with Bob Sharma on, I don't know, one of the, either her podcast or mine, I don't remember. But I talked about looking at things critically where for me, for better or worse, I tend to look very critically at stuff when I'm like thinking about it or watching it on my own. And I really point out stuff that I don't like, which I kind of wish I did this less. But the reason that I do that is I really like identifying things I don't like so that I can make sure to avoid doing that in my own work. Doesn't mean that it's objectively bad or wrong or anything like that. It's just, oh, I don't like this. So I want to make sure like, what what don't I like about it? Because you could find something and say, I don't like it when someone does this, and then you just don't do that in your work. But it doesn't mean that you might not accidentally like do something similar. So that's why I like breaking it down into why don't I like this thing? Why does this thing bother me? And then I, I get a better understanding for it. So then I can I feel like I know exactly what to avoid in my own stuff as best I can. But the problem with that is it it can put you in a really negative headspace because you're just being critical of stuff. And sometimes you just want to like, you know, sometimes to counteract that, I'll go through stuff. And especially if I feel myself being annoyed or irritated, I will just try to find positive things like, oh, wow, like this video is edited really well. The sound quality is awesome. It looks like the person's having a lot of fun while they're making like, you know, just try to go like, okay, let's find positive things. Let's find positive things to do here. But the reason that I bring that up is what I was thinking about the other day was just how much everything in my specific feed in my little world is starting to feel like a commercial. And I, I think we've talked about this before here, but it's tough when, when you're gear centered. And I know like I just spent however long talking about Joel who like could not be less gear centered at all. Um, but I like, you know, I love gear. I love equipment. It's fun. It's interesting to me. And I, I like talking about that stuff, but there is such a difference in the world of gear to go, okay, here's my camera that I use. Let me tell you about it, why I like it, how I use it. You know, like Joel making his tutorial about EbSynth and explaining like, this is the software I use, this is how to use it. Um, you know, it's something he stumbled across and found and started using, figured out it's wonky and, you know, just kind of leave it at that. That's just so different from like, this video is sponsored by EbSynth. Like, let me show you this new animation thing that you could do here or, 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 you know, whatever. I was talking to a friend who was getting a, was having to decide if they wanted to accept a sponsored deal for their channel for a stock footage company, which the company is great. The product delivers everything it's supposed to be. The paycheck would have been great, but they don't use stock footage. In fact, their channel, if anything, is teaching people how to film their own footage. So they were like, you know, there's nothing ethically wrong with accepting this, but I don't use stock footage. And we, you know, we talked it through and he decided not to not to go through with it, which was a lot of money to turn down. But that's just where it's like, there's such a difference in those approaches. And, you know, it, it feels like so much is put into like, okay, this new product came out. So let's all make videos about the new product and essentially sell the new product. But it is also relevant. Like if you're into that stuff and use those things, it actually does make sense to talk about the, like, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's almost like the approach of it, which I guess always bothers me when someone's like, hey, this new thing came out. It's amazing. Look how awesome it is. And then you never see it again <laughs> in another video. And it's like, I thought that was the game changer. Why Why are you not using it anymore? And it's like, well, oh, because it was just for that one video. And then that's where it's like the sincerity disappears. And, you know, you just there's always one more thing to buy. And it, it's really tricky because, you know, sometimes you'll find a channel where somebody is very in, invested in a specific brand and then they will do sort of everything they can to, you know, be objective when talking about products from that brand. But sometimes it really does feel like for like they can't even avoid trying to tiptoe around even criticism and stuff so as not to jeopardize their relationship with that brand. 
And, you know, like, I, I, nobody's doing anything evil. Like, I'm not, there's no, nobody's doing anything evil or wrong. But from a viewer's perspective, it's not fun to watch that stuff. Like, it's not fun to watch a commercial. It's not fun to watch something that just feels like it's advertising a product for me. It's not fun to watch the same video 15 times on different channels. And it's not fun to be able to predict what's going to come out next. Like, oh, look, here's an announcement for like a new action camera. Guess what I'm going to see 20 videos of? The new action camera. Guess what I don't use, really? Action cameras, other than this camera I'm using, which is a GoPro. <laughs> but guess what I don't need a new one of every year? An action camera. And it's just like, I would rather see how somebody utilizes an action camera in their workflow. I'd rather see if there is something really specific about like, this one action camera, and I'm just picking on action cameras right now, but this one specific one, this is the one to get if you're going to get one for these reasons. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm probably getting too off track here, but that's kind of where it just sort of seems like so much of the, at least the, the world, <laughs> the YouTube world where I spend a lot of time in is, is, you know, a lot of gear, a lot of things that feel like commercials, a lot of a lot of that stuff. And so finding the opposite of that, especially with somebody who's, you know, like <laughs> somebody who's just constantly making, I don't know where Joel is right now. I'm going to guess he's working on a project right now in some way because it'll probably pop up on YouTube in like two or three days because even though he says there's a short film every week, there's like two or three usually. So I figure he's always working on something. And that person doesn't care about gear really at all other than like, I need a camera to capture images. I need a microphone to capture sound, but it doesn't have to be like, oh, you're using the, you're using the original Canon R and not the R5. And why would you even use the R5? Because the A7S III is just a better video. Like I know those, those discussions, like I have them, <laughs> um, there's value to them. I'm not trying to just like poo poo over all of that, but it's nice to just get away from that and focus on like making stuff or having fun with it. And that's, that's where it's like, I like the down, I try to focus more on like down to earthness in when I talk about things. So that way it's not just like, Hey, look at this $5,000 piece of equipment that like, why would you, why would you spend the money on that? That's, that's a lot of money versus like, Hey, here's a thing. I think it is really helpful, even if it's a little bit expensive. Like, here's how it could fit into this specific kind of workflow. Here's how I use it. Like, try to kind of be down to earth with stuff and balance that out with my own my own interest. And like, I really do like gear and stuff. One of uh, one of the first things I did <laughs> on the internet. This was like 1998. Must have been. Um, was I used to go to eBay which must have just started around then. And I used to search up like video cameras, not because I could buy them. I was in middle school. Like I could not afford, <laughs> I didn't have a way to buy things online, but I would just look up video cameras so I could see pictures of video cameras because there was no, you couldn't go on YouTube and watch some super crisp high definition review where someone's showing you every side of something. You could maybe go to like the Sony website and see like their, promotional images for like the new Handycam or the Canon website or whatever. But if you wanted like real world stuff, you go to eBay, look up a camera listing, and then they would have, you know, all the pictures of that camera, which to get the pictures, they probably had to take a film camera, go get it developed and get the pictures put on a CD so then they could put them in the computer. It's a totally different time. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's what I would do just to see see cameras like I really like cameras and gear and equipment and that kind of stuff so I'm, I, I'm not in any way saying that that's a bad thing and there are other people out there who who do and you know like god I, I'm just trying not to ruin any chance I have with somebody I like ever wanting to do anything with me or have anything to do with me because they're like were you just like crapping over what I do no but I do get tired of my video feed being commercials and then I get sad when it's just like I guess I get sad when I when I see someone with something like YouTube this unlimited creative outlet and it's almost like they've just turned it into client work and there's nothing wrong with sponsored content or anything you know I've <laughs> I, I've come to realize that 
But when you see something where everything, the only stuff that's made is sponsored content, it's like, man, you're you're just working for clients now at this point. You could be you could be doing your own thing. I don't know the numbers and the financials, and obviously, you know, there's a whole behind the scenes for every person, every journey. But it's just so different, and it, I love how that's what the thing with YouTube is. I love how different it can be for everybody because the the opposite, not necessarily the opposite, but a different philosophy. Let me see if I can say this right. Okay, so with Joel, YouTube is his central thing, and he has no problem admitting, like, I love YouTube. I love what YouTube lets me do. I'm, like, super appreciative of it. Uh, I'm guessing he relies on AdSense for some income, but most of his other income comes from Patreon, and that's, you know, I, I don't know. I guess that's about it. Um, the other end of that is I was listening to an interview with MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee last week, he was on live streaming pros, which is a live stream podcast or live stream show that's weekly. Heather and I were on it last month. And then <laughs> Marquez Brownlee was on it this month. Uh, very big upgrade in terms of guests. But his what he said was so interesting because they were talking about the different platforms and his philosophy, which if you know him, he, everything he does is like to the highest quality. And I, it's like the opposite of the Joel perspective of like, yeah, this VHS camera is fine. It's getting the shot um, where it's like, we're going to be filming stuff in 8K in like 2015 when nobody can watch anything and near that quality. That's just what we're going to do just because it's like his thing of trying to produce the best, highest quality like stuff possible because that's part of the fun in his case. And I I love that about him because I think that that is authentic and genuine, even if it is very gear focused and very equipment focused and very quality focused. I think that's still incredibly genuine. And so where do, where do I want to go with this? Oh, what he said in the interview was they were talking about the different social media platforms. And Marquez said that, you know, YouTube is obviously like his biggest. That's kind of where people know him from. But he's on everything else he's on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I don't know if there's other things. <laughs> That's what he's on. <laughs> and um, he said that he wants each of those to feel like its own complete thing. So instead of telling everyone like, hey, I'm here, also follow me here, 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 here. And if you're there, then follow me here, here. Like if you only know him on Twitter, you will get a complete, like you will get everything you need to know just from Twitter. If you only follow him on Instagram, you'll get a complete story there. If you only follow him on YouTube, you'll get everything you need to know there. And so trying to flesh out each platform as its own complete thing, I thought was very interesting where they, sure, they could push towards each other, but they don't necessarily have to. Whereas then you have somebody like Joel who's like, oh, no, I'm not interested in other platforms at all. Like <laughs> I tried to find his Instagram and it's just, literally just pictures of him eating spaghetti is it. Um, apparently every time he or he and his friends or whoever eat spaghetti, they take a picture that's it. That's the only thing that's on there. So from a like, you know, from a brand marketing perspective or whatever, that's terrible. But from the person who's actually doing those things and needs to make it sustainable, it's fine because it serves enough of a purpose for like someone who's like, yeah, I don't need to be on this platform. I want to focus all over here on that. And so you have somebody who's like, I'm trying to be complete on every platform and somebody else who's like, I don't care about anything except this one platform. And they can both be successful creators in different ways. And that's where it's like, I kind of want to do an entire episode just about all the different approaches you can take to the same platform because just, you know, just the way I'm saying, like, I like this or I don't like that. Someone else can have the exact opposite point of view and they're, it's, it's super valid and it, it's so interesting. Um, there's another, I don't know why this popped into my head right now, but um, there's a YouTube channel called Alpha Gaming. And the guy on there, Harris Heller, gosh, I hope I'm <laughs> I hope I'm saying this right. I've only recently kind of stumbled into the channel because um, we cover a lot of the same topics, and I was noticing like his thumbnails are really good. And so like I'd make a video about a microphone, and then I would notice like in my recommended would be an, a recommended video for that same microphone, but like the thumbnail was like ten times better than mine, and that happened a bunch of times. And I was like, what is this channel? Um, and so he has a a great YouTube channel, like half a million subscribers or something, but then was also a big streamer on Twitch up until this week, this current week that I'm recording this, 
he left Twitch and moved to YouTube. And I guess there's a few people who've been doing that. I know virtually nothing about Twitch, so I'm probably speaking incorrectly. But um, he he made a video on the Alpha Gaming YouTube channel about why he is leaving Twitch. And I thought it was so interesting because it, it goes kind of in the same way that Joel is like, you know, where everyone's sort of like, likes to bash on YouTube and say bad things about YouTube. He's sort of appreciative of the fact that it exists and it lets you do these things. And no, it's not perfect, but it's it's a pretty amazing opportunity. And Harris from Alpha Gaming kind of said the same thing in a different way, which was, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, Twitch is over here and it's sort of like, it has its own purpose and its own culture and its own community. And all of the other like social media platforms are over here and they, you know, they all kind of play together a little ni more nicely. From what I understand when it comes to Twitch, especially once you reach a certain level, they become very like, this is your agreement to sort of be exclusive here, at least when it comes to streaming and, and the type of content you're making here, you're not releasing that somewhere else. Whereas YouTube doesn't really care. Like if I do a camera review on YouTube and then I make uh, an Instagram video or whatever about that review or if I had a TikTok which I don't if I did something like it, it does no one else really cares but YouTube specifically is uniquely positioned where there's a huge community element you can do long form video you can do live streaming you can do short form video and you can do like interactive stories and community posts which I didn't realize like YouTube's been adding in all these features and a lot of times when they're like you can do YouTube stories now it's like why <laughs> <laughs> but now if you look at all of the social media platforms and then you look at YouTube, it's like, oh, it's sort of in, in a world where video and streaming and all that stuff is becoming more and more popular and more and more accessible. It sort of set itself up to be like a great place for somebody who wants to create that stuff because there's so much opportunity there. Not a lot of opportunity in terms of like connecting and following like other people, you know. It's not really like the social aspect to it, but the creator side of things is like, wow, it is kind of an all-in-one resource. And it was cool to hear someone, you know, at that level and who'd been doing things on different platforms sort of like give YouTube the credit it deserves. And that's that's a big part of, you know, what drew me to Joel in the first place was his like appreciation for and awe of YouTube of like being in awe that you can do this thing. And as somebody who used to have to use VHS cameras and and just put the tape in the VCR and the only people who could see the stuff that I made were the people who were in the room with the VCR. <laughs> uh, YouTube's amazing. And I know there's bad things that can happen. And I know you don't, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket is not advisable. I did a whole episode about like 12 revenue streams and all this stuff. I, I fully get that. But I do also just really appreciate that this is a thing that exists. And to just sort of bring it all the way back back around to the beginning. I'm really, really excited that there are not just people out there, but I, I just stumbled into like this incredible example of someone through Joel's channel who's just using YouTube as like this ultimate creative outlet, this ultimate place to share work, and probably why I like it the most, the ultimate way of just going around the whole system, the whole century-old you know, entertainment industry that says things have to be done this way for this reason, and this is industry standard and blah, 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 and just going, okay, I want to go over here and just actually do stuff then instead of even worrying about that. And being super clear, like he said in interviews, he has no interest. It's not like he's trying to work his way up. He has no interest in being on a large film set. He likes working small and quick and getting stuff out. And that's how I feel too. Like I have no interest in working on a project for, you know, months and months where i don't know we finish filming now but the pro the the movie doesn't come out for a year or you know you you work a 18 hour day to get two scenes filmed or something like that like that's just not a thing i'm interested in obviously lots of people love it and i love watching movies and the results of that stuff but i have no interest in doing that myself and it's it's always felt a little bit like shameful to be you know when i told people that i was going to leave my job and do YouTube full-time, a number of people said things like, oh, I bet you'll want to hire someone. I bet you want to grow. I bet you want to expand. Um, even, you know, I bet you want to get an office, office space or, 
like really grow. And I, I felt almost ashamed to say, no, I have none of those aspirations at all. Who knows what the future will hold? You know, I don't want, it's not like a commitment. I'm a promise I'm making, but I have no interest in that. Like I want to do my thing and make my stuff and be able to do that when I want, how I want and release it when I want without with as few people in the middle as possible. And YouTube lets me do that. And that's one of the things that I really love about it. Boy, I hope this made sense. <laughs> I swear, like, I, I have been thinking about, like, all the stuff I wanted to communicate. And I hope that was interesting. And it didn't just, it wasn't just me, like, coming across as a crazy stalker fan. And I hope it wasn't just completely nonsensical. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told this story here, but in college, I took a public speaking class. And I used to be terrified of public speaking. Like when it was my time to speak or when it, the night before a speech, I couldn't even sleep. I would literally not sleep at night. I, that was when I learned about like pads you can put in your armpit to prevent sweat because I would just start dripping sweat from nerves, which is funny. Cause then I was a teacher for like 11 years and now I make like YouTube videos. Uh, so I got over my fear of public speaking, but I used to be terrified of it. And my first speech in my public speaking, this was sophomore this was either the beginning of my sophomore year or the end of my freshman year of college uh my public speaking class the first speech we had to give was uh, i think it was an expository speech where you just had to talk you just had to explain something like talk about something you're interested in and i chose i was so addicted to they might be giants at the time that like that's all I was listening to. I was fascinated with their story because again, there's this running thread. Like you talk about the Aquabats, their people for better or worse have been forced into just doing things themselves for almost three decades now. We talk about they might be giants. It's kind of, you know, for even more than, I don't know, 40, 50 years now, they have just been doing things their own way and like circumventing the standards in the industry but also still being a part of it it's just fascinating to me and so i that's what i was just addicted to on my ipod and my cd player um in in that time and so i was like you know what they have a really interesting history i'm going to learn more about the history of they might be giants and that's the speech i'm going to give and so i came up with my ideas the thing about they might be giants it's a band but the two main people if you don't know this they're both named john and they have been friends forever. So it's two Johns. <laughs> and I gave my speech. I think it was 10 minutes long. There's a video of it somewhere on a VHS tape that will ne I've never watched and will never watch. But I was trying to explain who They Might Be Giants are, the history of it, how they met. And I was so nervous and just so all over the place. Even though I had practiced this and prepped it, nobody in the class had any idea of what the heck I was talking about. And I got feedback forms at the end of it because while you're giving a speech, the professor would hand out forms to people and they would, you know, they would fill them out. What's the topic of the speech? What's the main point? What are some things that are done well, things that are not done well? No one could even fill out my form for the most part because they, they, had, they didn't know what I was talking about. Like I remember where it was like speech topics. Some people were like, John? Like, guy's name john like something about john like they didn't have no idea what i was talking about giants like what mythology like i don't know and i felt terrible anyway i tell you that story to say i hope that's not what happened today i hope there's sort of a cohesiveness here and i hope you you check out um i hope you check out some of joel's stuff just to see somebody who's making things on their own terms and even though it took like i don't know seven years or something and hundreds and hundreds of videos that eventually it paid off for him. And because he had put in so much time, energy, and effort, he was equipped to handle it when it paid off because, you know, you could see how <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't be be equipped to handle that kind of growth. So that's what I wanted to share with, with you today. I uh, hope that makes sense. Hope that's interesting. If you're watching the video version, I hope you like that too. Uh, just a couple quick, well, actually, I'll give one quick reminder. So I was very flattered <laughs> when I talked about monetizing the podcast that I got a lot of messages with people going like, yeah, you should do that. So here we go. <clears throat> if you want to support this show, there's a link to Patreon in the description. You can go to patreon.com slash Tom Buck. There's a few tiers you can choose from. And uh, 
I think all of them get access to the video version of the podcast. If that's something you want, I try. I don't know if every episode is going to have a video version. So, you know, I'm trying to get a workflow down that works really well. But sometimes I just want to sit in here like, you know, looking like garbage with no fancy lights on. And uh, maybe I don't want to make a video of that while I record. Uh, but I do try when I have the video versions to post them a little bit early. So the audio version comes out on Monday. And I try to post the video versions both for YouTube channel members and for Patreon supporters. Um, try to do that on Friday. So you get it a couple days earlier. Some people have said, no, nah, it's cool. Like the video version's neat, but I like listening to it. And it's, you know, I plan to listen to it on Monday. So I'll do that. That's cool. But it's just something I'm trying to actively like, hey, I have an idea. I'm going to share it with like people who want to support the channel. So you can go check that out if you want. And if not, that's completely fine as well. You are not in any way expected or obligated to do that. So I hope that was interesting. Um, I <laughs> I don't know. We're just trying new stuff today. I have so many things open and so many buttons to press. So I'm going to press the music. And then on the video version, I'm going to press the intro thingy. So I hope you guys have a great, happy, healthy, fun rest of your week. Thank you for listening or thank you for watching. And I will see you next time.